Welcome to the latest episode of our podcast series for financial advisors. Today's episode is Regional Culture, Global Capabilities, Stiefel's $400 billion success story. It's a conversation with Ron Krzyzewski, Chairman and CEO of Stiefel Financial Corp. I'm Mindy Diamond, and this is Mindy Diamond on Independence. This podcast is available on our website, diamond-consultants.com, as well as Apple Podcasts and other major podcast platforms. If you're not already a subscriber and want to be notified of new show releases, please subscribe right on your favorite podcast platform or on the episode page on our website. For Apple Podcast users, I'd be grateful if you'd give the show a review. Your input helps us to make the series better and alert other advisors like you who may find the content to be relevant. And while you're at it, if you know others who are considering change or are simply looking to learn more about the industry landscape, please feel free to share this episode or the series widely. When we started this series some four years ago, we expected to share a handful of episodes that explored the independent space, hence the name Mindy Diamond on Independence. But we came to a realization There was a far bigger story to tell. That is, one that wasn't focused solely on a model, but instead on a mindset. An evolved state of mind amongst advisors who were eschewing the bureaucracy of the brokerage world they grew up in for models that offered greater freedom and control. Because the reality is that not all advisors are looking to cast aside their W-2s and become business owners. Instead, they're looking for more control over how they manage clients, more creativity and how they market their services, and ultimately, many want freedom from the bureaucracy that is preventing them from living their best business lives. Take, for example, regional firms. It's a moniker that once represented smaller firms with a limited geographic footprint, and it's since taken on a completely different meaning in the evolved wealth management landscape. The new regionals are by no means small and have come to represent a cultural appeal unlike their wirehouse counterparts. And those geographic limitations are also a thing of the past, as my guest in this episode shares. Ron Krzyzewski is the chairman and CEO of Stiefel Financial Corp. It's a great example of what the term regional firm is representative of today. It is a firm with nearly 2,300 advisors managing some 400 billion in assets and $4.6 billion in projected revenue. That's a far cry from where the firm was back in 1997 when Ron became CEO. At that time, the firm's revenue was at $100 million, with assets under management at only $8 billion. Stiefel stakes the claim of being the only investment bank and financial services firm with 25 years of record revenue, even throughout the financial crisis in 2008. Some of that growth can be attributed to several strategic acquisitions made over the last two decades, including Barclays, Stern AG, Ziegler Wealth Management, City Financial Corporation, and several smaller UBS branches. Today, Stiefel is the nation's seventh largest full-service wealth management and investment banking firm in terms of number of advisors. So what's the secret to their success? From the advisor's perspective, as Ron shares, it's Stiefel's entrepreneurial culture, which allows their advisors to act in the client's best interests, coupled with the broad capabilities of a global bank. Plus, there's no bureaucracy. In this episode, Ron talks about the history of Stiefel, which dates back to 1890, to what he attributes the firm's extraordinary growth, how being an employee at Stiefel differs from being at Morgan, Merrill, or UBS, and the like, how the firm compares to joining or launching one's own RIA, what Stiefel's independent channel is all about, the value their bank brings to the table, their M&A plans for the future, and much more. So let's get to it. Ron, thank you so very much for joining me today. I'm pleased to be here, Mindy, and thank you for having me. You bet. All right, lots to talk about, so let's jump right in. 
I guess let's start at the beginning. Tell us about yourself and your career path to the C-suite at Stiefel. Well, first of all, you know, I've been 25 years as CEO, so I almost forgot how I got here, but I'll try. I'm a person that from South Bend, Indiana, went to Indiana University, started my career in Chicago in public accounting, got in the securities business in 1983, a little company called the Illinois Company, was then at Robert Baird till 1997. And then at the ripe age of 37, I was recruited to be the CEO of Stiefel, 1997. But I remember about that. Uh, Stiefel was a very small firm, about $100 million in revenues, market cap of about $40 million. I was one of four candidates for the job, me included. And what I do remember is the other three turned it down. So that was how I was so fortunate become CEO Stiefel. <laughs> I want to talk more about who and what Stiefel is today and certainly to contrast the $100 million in revenue that it was doing in 1997 to where it is today. But I want to pick up on one other thing I read. I read that you come from a blue-collar family where your dad was a barber and firefighter. I'd love to hear how you made it to where you are today. I mean, it's unusual to go from that to such success. Well, I would like to think that uh, that anyone could do that, but I appreciate you letting me talk about my dad, who not only was a barber and a firefighter, he had a landscaping business. He worked four jobs so that myself and my three siblings could have a wonderful childhood, and uh, I will always be remembered and, and frankly humbled by how hard my dad and my mom worked to provide for their children. And I think that what I learned from them, I carry to this day. It's extraordinary. So let's talk then a little bit about Stiefel. $100 million in revenue in 1997 when you took over. So let's fast forward. How much revenue does it do today? How many advisors and how many markets? Yeah, well, today, uh, if I look forward, I think this year, the analyst, street analysts would think that we'll do about $4.6 billion in revenue. In 97, I think we had 37 offices. We have close to 400 offices today and nearly 2,300 advisors. We manage about $400 billion in AUM. I remember that number was about $8 billion in 97. So Stiefel has clearly grown. And you know what underscores that, Mindy, and I, I do think I don't want to pat ourselves on the back too much, but we're probably the only investment bank and financial services firm like ourselves that have had 25 consecutive years of record revenue. And think about that. That's through the tech crash. That's through the financial crisis. That's through a lot of tumultuous times where Stiefel has consistently grown. I know that it's grown organically and inorganically. So there's been some acquisitions along the way. But to what do you attribute that spectacular growth? Well, I get asked this question a lot, and I've thought about it a lot. And if I try to find the highest correlation of numbers between our revenue growth and another factor, it would be the growth in people. We've grown from 700 people to about 9,000. So as we add talented people, our revenues increase. So we get more clients, which in turn causes us to get more talented people. It's just a quality circle that has worked for 25 years now. So the direct answer is that our growth is attributable to our people. And we'll unpack a little bit. So what is it that attracts the people to the firm? Because especially in the labor market now with so much talent shortage and a very competitive advisor recruiting environment, not so easy to find people. We'll come back to that. What is Stiefel's value proposition? Who and what is Stiefel today? How would you describe it? Well, today I would say that Stiefel is one of the leading wealth management and middle market investment banking firms. So we're not just a wealth management firm. We have a very significant and successful middle market investment bank, both in equity and in fixed income. And so just to unpack it a little bit to get a sense, our wealth management revenues are probably approaching $3 billion and a little less in our institutional business, about $2 billion in round numbers. So the firm is a, a combination of a wealth management and an investment banking firm. 
Mm -hmm. And let's talk a little bit about some of the acquisitions that it was done. So we know that you've acquired firms like Barclays, Stern AG, and some of the branches from UBS. So how have those acquisitions shaped the firm today? Well, and each each was unique in what they provided. It also includes Ryan Beck, City Securities, Ziegler, a number of smaller firms that brought their unique local expertise and people to Stiefel. Barclays was noteworthy specifically in some of the capabilities that they brought primarily in the alternative space and the conviction model for investing for high net worth individuals. So that was an important deal for us. And they brought a a big presence in New York as well. Mm -hmm. And But it's difficult sometimes when there are acquisitions to create one culture. Has Stiefel been successful in doing that? We've been very successful in in that. And I think it's a great question. And the answer lies in the fact as to how Stiefel's grown. And because our culture is an amalgamation of of all of the cultures, and Stiefel is a very open group firm and a group of people, so that when we do acquisitions, many of the people that are integrating these acquisitions came themselves from an acquisition. So it's just a philosophy where we take the best of all ideas. It doesn't matter where it comes from. And and it builds a strong culture. You know, one of the interesting things, Mindy, that uh, will speak to the strength of our culture is in uh, the last 18 large transactions that we've done, where another CEO was coming. I was negotiating with another CEO of the business, for instance, Tom Michaud of uh, KBW or Eric Nealman from Stern AG. In the, of those 18 acquisitions, 16 of the CEOs are still here. Interesting. One, re- one retired and, and, and the one, uh, one gentleman in London went and did something else. But when you speak of culture, the fact that over 15 years, I have those number of CEOs that are still here and embracing the culture speaks to the culture. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And do you think that M&A will be part of the strategy going forward? Well, it has been for the last 25 years. I, I, I think that it, I certainly believe that it will be. We took a little bit of a pause during the pandemic because it was difficult with, with the remote aspects to do acquisitions the way we do, which is really getting to know the people, and that made it difficult. So we've taken a little bit of a pause. Mm-hmm. But as I look forward, I certainly think past is prologue with respect to our acquisition strategy. Mm. Okay. So Steeple was always described as a regional firm. A lot of advisors think about the industry landscape in buckets, the wirehouse bucket, the regional bucket, the boutique bucket, the independent bucket. And we've always described, or a lot of people have thought of Stiefel in that regional firm bucket, but it has a national presence. So what was the genesis of the term regional firm and how has it changed over time? And, and would you describe Stiefel as a regional firm today? Well, let me, let me take your last question first. I mean, Stiefel is a regional firm in terms of feel and culture, which is very positive. But we're a global firm in terms of product access and capabilities. That's why it's such an attractive place to come because we don't stand back to any of the large firms in terms of product access or service, yet this is a firm that has that, quote, regional feel. Where did that come from, Mindy? It's a great question. I didn't start it. In some ways, I always used to think it was pejorative that the big firms needed to classify smaller firms so that they could then say, well, they don't have our capabilities, which was certainly not true with us. But regional firms came back, really came into being back in the early part of the 1900s when local communities had to finance their projects and they couldn't get it done in New York. And so Stiefel, founded in 1890, helped finance a lot of the projects in the Midwest, like the O'Hare Airport and the Mackinac Bridge and many of the bridges across the Mississippi. And then you can just go on and on and name them. Uh, Many of them are gone today, but, you know, J.C. Bradford, McDonald and Company, Wheat First. These were all firms that started because they needed to finance local projects and they got the term regional firm. Most of them are gone today and Stiefel 
is still here. But like I said, we're regional in feel, but national in scope. So what does regional in feel mean? How would you describe that? As a recruiter who helps advisors to understand the industry landscape, I've described Stiefel as a regional firm and just what you said, regional in feel and culture with global capabilities. But what does that mean really? Well, it goes back to, I didn't really answer your question earlier about what the value proposition is at Stiefel. And it's an understanding that in the wealth management business, central to our business model is our advisors. We published an org chart back when I started that had clients at the top and the advisors that served them right next to that and at the top of the org chart. And so when we think about the business, we understand that the advisors own the relationship, they own the clients. I mean, hell, Mindy, you know this. When an advisor joins firms, they take all their clients with them. I mean, it's not a anyone who doesn't believe the advisor is the brand and the value added just simply doesn't understand what's going on in the business. Advisors are the brand of their clients. For us, we recognize that and uh, our entire firm is built around that proposition that the advisor is centric. You see it in everything we do. So it's hard to execute because many management teams want to be in control of everything. Here at Stiefel, we put the advisor in control of many of their own decisions. And how does that compare and contrast to the way Morgan Stanley, Merrill Lynch, UBS, Wells Fargo, the big, the big boys, the, big, the biggest firms think about the advisor-client relationship? Well, I think you see it in that a lot of the large firms view clients as being partitioned into various business models. So when you read, for instance, or, or understand that if you have less than 250 thousand dollars of investable assets and many of these large firms the advisors those accounts are taken away and put into a call center and some of the largest clients that have maybe will be defined as ultra high net worth are segmented and put into different channels of the firm and so th these large firms channel clients and we do not our advisors can have clients across the range of capabilities, wealth, whatever it is. So that's one of the biggest differences that I see. Yeah. So this podcast is about the independent space. It's called Mindy Diamond on Independence. But as this series has evolved, we've been highlighting many firms and models that are not actually independent, but rather W-2 models that offer advisors more freedom and control than the traditional wirehouses. That's why we've included Stiefel, because in this evolution on independence means not necessarily that an advisor goes out and is going to build his own firm, but that he's looking for more freedom and control than he has where he is. I also know that Stiefel is, is going to offer an independent option and would love to hear more about that. But let's start with what's it like to be an advisor at Stiefel as an employee? Well, I think I view it as the best of both worlds in terms of all the capabilities and products that you can have at the largest firms, including banking products, including the raw securities that come out of municipal underwriting. Stiefel is the largest um, underwriter of municipal bonds in the country. We're not regional, we're not even national, we're the largest. So when you think about the products and capabilities that had, that the large firms have, especially having a bank and the ability to do lines of credit, mortgages, self-clearing, all of those things that are very important to many full-service advisors, we have that at Stiefel. Yet, as I said earlier, we also have a culture that allows advisors to be truly entrepreneurial, understand their clients' needs, and deal with in what they believe is their client's best interest, not necessarily what I believe is in the client's best interest. So when you combine those two factors, you get the uh, freedom and entrepreneurial nature of an independent firm with the broad capabilities of a full universal bank. We have them both here at Stiefel. Mm -hmm.
Okay, let's talk about this independent option that you are launching. Is it up and ready, ready for prime time? And can advisors who are employees at Stiefel slide into independence? How does that work? Well, first of all, it's interesting because, yes, it's up and running. It's been up and running for 30 years. I, I've just never focused on it. It's a Stiefel formed an independent channel back in 1990, and they called it Century Securities because Stiefel mm-hmm. was a century old in 1990. And we have had this. It is what's really interesting about it is it's fully integrated with the firm and that we've almost treated it as a branch. So Century Securities has all the capabilities. We just never marketed it. We never really focused on the independent channel until recently when when I hired a gentleman from Wells named Alex David. Oh. And I said, I said, Alex, look, I've had this sports car in the garage for about 30 years and take it out and take it for a spin. It's ready to go. And he didn't really believe it. He joined and he said it is. And so we're we're engaged in the independent space and we have a very competitive platform to compete with the other independent firms. So how many advisors were under, I mean, we, when, when we were thinking about independent options before, before this iteration that we read about where you recruited Alex David from Wells Fargo Finet, we never really thought about Century Securities or Stiefel's versions of independent as a real option. So how many advisors were under that umbrella and what do you expect this new iteration will look like? Well, it was it was never that large, maybe 100 advisors. Interestingly, it was about 100 advisors when I joined. And so the what I would say is that was of no fault of the independent channel. It just never really had my focus. I was, I was focused on building out the traditional model and the investment bank. So when I look today and I look forward, I expect that uh, it's no longer Century Securities. It's Steeple, we rebranded at Steeple Independent Advisors. And I expect that growth to match what Stiefel's growth has been. And stay, look at Stiefel's growth. We've grown, as I said, from $100 million to $4.6 billion. Yeah. There's no reason that we can't uh, grow the independent space. takes a little time, as you know, Mindy. You gotta, I've got to get you to understand it. And when you understand this platform, you're going to be one of my biggest cheerleaders. <laughs> so why now? Well, I think that that channel has grown and has become more accepted. And so the the Raymond James and the LPLs and the advisor worlds have created a niche that I believe now is attractive in terms of of the way they're run and their profitability. Uh, so we we think that now's the time. Actually, now's not the time because the independent model struggles in a low-rate environment. But we think that's going to change. So we, we're just um, going to build this out. We have all of the tools and all of the products and services to compete with all the biggest independent firms. So why not? I mean, I'm, I'm a competitor and we've, we've grown this firm every year. We'll grow our independent channel. Well, from where I sit, it's all about advisor choice. It's a seller's market, meaning advisors in the driver's seat and advisors want to be able to define their own version of what utopia looks like. For some, that's being an employee at a regional firm. And for others, it's about being a business owner. But I want to be clear, this Stiefel Independent will be an independent broker-dealer model that will compete with the likes of LPL and Finet and other independent broker-dealers, correct? Correct. It's not an RAA model. Correct. Yeah, let me be clear. It it has been and it is today a separate broker-dealer, okay? Mm -hmm. It is an independent model that will compete with, with who you just said that that mm-hmm. that is correct, Got and it. I think yeah, and I, I think that's true. And one of the things that we we have found is that we've had a lot of advisors that went independent that would say, "Look, I would have loved to come independent with Stiefel, but you don't really you didn't really offer me that." Mm-hmm. And, you know, I would shrug my shoulders and say, yeah, I guess not. But I, I, I want to quit shrugging my shoulders and say, no, wait a minute. Well, we can do that as well. Well, so you want we, to meet advisors where they are. That's right. Yeah. That, that's it. our culture anyway. So why not? 
And can your existing Stiefel advisors, or if an advisor, if someone is listening and is recruited to Stiefel as an employee, can they slide or move into independence at will? Yeah, there are. We have, like all firms do, we have, there are some rules about how you do that when especially when you're an employee model you have there are things that that benefits that accrue to you as an employee model not unique to Stiefel Raymond James they all have the same rules but we were generally indifferent as to where you want to reside mm-hmm. got it okay that's a good thing so I want to do some compare and contrast. Let's go back to talking about the Stiefel W-2 traditional private client group model. I want to understand how do you think it differs being an employee at Stiefel from being an employee of, say, Morgan, UBS, or Merrill? And maybe you can give us some, some examples of some wirehouse advisors, some advisors you've recruited from those firms and the kind of things they can do at Stiefel that they couldn't do where they were? I don't know if, if the, the right way to discuss this is about what you can and cannot do. I think I can sum it up, though, in one word for you. And it is bureaucracy versus lack of bureaucracy. We're all compliant firms. We all uh, want to do the right thing. But what the advisors tell me that join from the large firms and their business goes up here, that's important. I mean, their business in- increases and increases in some nice trend lines. And I ask the question, I say, okay, come on, we all have the same products. Why are you flourishing here? And the answer is, it's just easier to do business here. When the answer is no, the answer comes quick and the yeses come quick too. So I'm able to do and, and grow my business much easier at Stiefel than where I was. And that's probably the number one thing I hear from the firms, which almost by definition have to be more bureaucratic. These are very large institutions. Mm-hmm. And how about what would you say to an advisor? that is considering Stiefel, but also considering going independent. So Steve, joining Stiefel as a W-2 versus going RIA, the most independent form of independence. Well, I think it's, I think you have to look at your business. First of all, you have to understand what you gain and what you give up. You certainly gain owning your business as an RIA, yet you are now uh, going to do advisory fee business only, almost by definition. You're not a broker-dealer. You're going to have to give some concessions on the liability side. We own a bank, and I think that's important today. I think that the banking products uh, is a very important product for clients, and that's difficult to have at many RIAs. And on the other hand, you get to manage your business. That takes time. Whereas an employee, you don't have to really manage the day-to-day business, the staff and benefits and all that. You can focus all your time on growth. Neither one depends on the person as to which they want. We find people flourish under both models, yet the personality type generally drives that decision more than the platform. I would agree with that. I think that's right. How about Stiefel as compared to other regional firms? So firms that fall into the same bucket, at least in advisors' minds. So let's say Raymond James and RBC. I respect all my competitors. I think there are real differences. RBC's done a nice job of portraying themselves as a a firm like Stiefel, but RBC's owned by a bank and that can't change and it won't change. And so there's a huge difference between what I do, which is I get up every day thinking about how our advisors double, triple, quadruple their business that's good for them and it's good for me and my shareholders. That's what I think about. Large banks think about loan growth. And and that difference is not going to change. So I think RBC, great firm, owned by a bank. Raymond James, also a lot of friends there. I think Raymond James is primarily an independent firm. 
Uh, they have twice as many independents as employee. So their independent model is more established than ours. And I, I think our employee model is, well, I would pick it, but you would expect me to say that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right. So how about Rockefeller? It's a firm that's newer, obviously, but came on the scene and had instant success. And today, almost every advisor that's got a quality business at least wants to understand what Rockefeller is. So how would you contrast Rockefeller as you understand it to Stiefel? I really don't know Rockefeller that well. I mean, they were able to rent or use that name. That That's a huge branding event with the name. I think Rockefeller as I understand it, is is a firm that's focusing on high net worth in a manner that's that's good for them. I view us as an investment bank that if you have a client that wants to sell their business or go public, you can do that straight here at Stiefel. We own a bank. We're self-clearing. I believe that makes our service levels much higher. And, you know, our payouts are higher, so I, I, I'm not but other than that, people will make their own decisions. They've been a successful firm. Be be interesting in what the end game is there, but not for me to say. Yeah. You mentioned self-clearing, and I don't know that it's clear to a lot of people. What is the benefit of self-clearing? Well, self-clearing is that the the things that need to be done to service clients are done within the four square walls here in St. Louis, whether it's account opening, account transfers, establishing accounts, whatever you're doing with trust accounts. And those people that are answering those questions are answerable to me. And so we have a very strong service culture. We rank very high on all of these surveys about how uh, well our service is to clients when you have to pick up the phone and call and ask a question. It's, I think we are the number one firm in terms of the way we respond, the attitude, the friendliness. That's all because it's all part of Stiefel. When you're not self-clearing, you're, you're calling another firm's service department. And I think it's self-evident that if you're outsourcing it, you're not going to have the same level of services if you maintain it yourself. Mm-hmm. Okay. Let's pivot to recruiting. So Stiefel's had a lot of recruiting success of late. Why do you think that is? A lot of the acquisitions that we have done have been on the institutional side of the business. So most of our growth in advisors has been organic just through recruiting and opening offices. So when I hear that, I always smile to myself because I feel that we have had recruiting success for 25 years. It ebbs and flows a little bit, and it ebbs and flows on our view, the markets and, and the competition and how deals ebb and flow. But our success more recently has been our ability to attract very large teams from some of the very largest firms. And that's a little bit different, say, in the last five years. And I think it speaks to our capabilities, what we did bring on with the Barclays Wealth Management, which was which was important to us. And so now, I would say eight years ago, it, we weren't recruiting that many people from the large firms. And today, that's about all we're recruiting from. So th- that's the that's the difference that's occurred. I agree with 100% that it's not only Stiefel, but generally speaking, it's the biggest teams in the industry, the most productive teams in the industry that are actually making moves. And that's very different than it was five or 10 years ago. What are you hearing from these folks that's driving, not necessarily what's driving them to Stiefel, but what's driving them away from the big firms? Again, probably the word which, you know, is bureaucracy and process and change. You know, it's Stiefel, you know, I'm proud of the fact that we have one of the most simple payout structures on the street. We always have. I often say it, it fits on a coffee coaster because it does. Our payout system doesn't take pages and pages. And we've changed it twice in 25 years. You know, go ask other firms how many times they've changed their payout system. I, I'm pretty sure that no one's going to say that they've done it less than twice in 25 years. And yet the other firms, they publish these payout schedules, which are really disincentives to do certain businesses. They're hundreds of pages long. And I, I just believe that advisors 
tire of the bureaucracy and long for the entrepreneurship. And that's what's happening. Yeah, I think that's right. And I think that to your point, there are advisors that will look at independence and think that it's a bridge too far in terms of having to build something from scratch. But if they can get the same level or a similar level or a close level of freedom and control as an employee that they can as an independent, that's a home run. And it sounds like that's the way you're describing Stiefel. Well, for sure. We're not for all people. You know this, Mindy. I mean, you bring people in here. Not a lot of people leave Stiefel. And it's for a certain advisor who wants the products and capabilities of a full-service investment bank and wealth management firm, the very high payouts, but a firm that has great technology, invests in technology. So all you mix all those things together, we are a very attractive option for a certain segment of advisors. Not all advisors, I know that, but I don't think we'd be as special as we are if we were attracting everyone. I don't think that's possible. You have to have your focus, and we do, on the employee side. And and again, with a separate broker-dealer, we're going to compete on the independent side. So I don't want to discourage independent people from calling us. In fact, if they do, they're missing a great, great opportunity on the independent space and steeple independent advisors. Well, we'd love to hear more about that too. But on again, on the employee side, What does the ideal advisor recruit look like or the typical and the ideal advisor recruit look like? I don't know that, again, I can describe describe it. The ideal person is a fun person and an entrepreneurial person that respects others and respects their clients and wants to be in in an environment and a culture that is likewise. The number of advisors and their mix of business, whether they write options for clients or do sole fee-based or do muni bond ladders, it, the business is as diverse as our advisors are diverse. So I, I don't like to think that we have a typical advisor at Steeple. We have advisors that are that are entrepreneurial and want to be able to make decisions in what they think are in the best interest of their clients and have a firm that recognizes it's their client. So fair enough. But, you know, I think in the olden days when we talked about regional firms, we also talked about or thought about advisors where average production was, say, 700,000. And yet you're talking now about big teams joining. So can you give us a sense of average or mean production of your typical recruits? Well, it's it's got obviously gotten larger. Let me let me say it this way, Mindy. I believe that we have some of, if not the largest teams on Wall Street. Okay, not this regional concept that you always had small advisors. I mean, we have teams that I believe are as large, if not larger, than at the largest firms. That, that are doing a lot of business with billion dollars of AUM. And, and I'll be polite not to cite numbers, but it's, it's well into eight, eight figures, okay, and in terms of these productions. So when, when advisors are coming and they're thinking, oh, I can't do my business at Steeple, they find out real quickly, not only they can they, but there's many, many teams that are doing significant more when they join. So that this that's all a recruiting pitch to say, use the word regional and then use the word that you can't do as much business. I, I say BS. Mm, okay. And how about an advisor in a market where you don't currently have an office? How do you think about an advisor that comes to you? Do they have to have a certain amount of production in order to consider opening a new office or is there a hard and fast rule around it? Oh, there are no hard and fast rules here, first of all, that we're, again, we're very compliant. There are, if it's against the law, we don't do it. But other than that, I, I don't know that we have hard and fast rules. And look, look at our history, Mindy. Uh, again, we had 37 offices. We did not have an office 
west of Colorado, east of Pennsylvania. We were a guest regional firm back then. Yeah. Today we have 400 offices and those offices, many of them, if you do the math, are four and five person offices in, in small communities. So the first thing I would say is that if an advisor joins us today and we don't have an office nearby, they're probably somewhere, in, you know, be interesting. We have a lot of offices, but we open offices all the time. I think we opened, you know, 10 during the pandemic. So if an advisor is out there and they like our model and they want to build a business, be part of the community and have a steeple office, we'll talk. There are no minimums or or hard, fast rules. And I think we're one of the top firms, uh, in again, in the country, because we've done it in, in opening new offices. So let's talk money for a minute. I mean, you've referenced payout several times, so and about it being very positive. So what is the payout at Stiefel? In broad terms, it's it's fifty five percent on the on the incremental dollar over twelve thousand a month. It's a fifty percent in cash and five percent in deferred. It doesn't matter what the product is. Doesn't matter on productivity how many accounts. It doesn't matter if you did a mortgage or a line of credit or there's no nothing like that. It's 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 been a very simple flat payout for the twenty five years that I've been here, and it's very competitive. Mm, it is. I would agree with that. And simple is a good way to put it. How about the deals, the transition deals? We know that Stiefel doesn't look to be the top deal on the street. So how do you compete against higher bidders for top talent? Well, first of all, I, I, I believe that we are the top deal on the street. It just depends how you look at it. If you take our payout and the consistency of our payout and the fact that we haven't changed it in 25 years, and then you look and say, all right, what's my payout going to be on my business for the next 10 years? And then add that to the transition deal. Then you will see that we are very competitive, very competitive. I lose to some of the firms that you've mentioned, I won't name them here, that have higher transition deals, but their payout's 40%. Well, that 40% versus our 55 is 150%. I can do math over 10 years. So I believe that you have to look at what the future looks like over the next 10 years. If someone's looking for just a transition deal on day one and doesn't understand the benefits of being here for the next 10 years, we we probably lose uh, that recruit. And I'm Mm -hmm. okay with that. Yeah. And and I agree with that, that someone evaluating a firm needs to look at the, it at it it, in its entirety, not just payout and transition deal, but the value proposition and what they offer overall. I think you're hundred percent right about that. But let's think about say a $2 million advisor. What, what are, what would a typical deal look like for that advisor, a transition deal? Well, are we going to timestamp this this podcast? I love how you're trying to pin me down here, Mindy. It depends on the day and the market and a whole bunch of things, and you know that as well as anyone. Of but a, but a, a two million dollar advisor, I will say this: a two million dollar advisor that comes here and looks at our deal is not going to say, "Oh." That's not competitive with, and you name it. You can name the firm. We we are competitive. There's a market out there, and we we believe that uh, that you should take a discount to come here, but we don't make you take one to come here. Mm-hmm. That's fair enough. I think that's fair. How about a sunset or retiring place program? Do you offer one to your advisors? Of course, of course we do, and we we tend to not publish it because as is our culture and as the way we do things, many of these are customized depending on the facts and circumstances. Some advisors want a sunset that lasts a year. Someone want to do it over five years. Some want to bring in new members. There's just so many different variations. But of course, we we have sunset plans. So that would that would be to not have one as you're just not thinking about it. So yeah, table stakes. Agreed. Of course. Agreed. Let's pivot now to the, to the industry overall. So as the CEO of a major firm, I'm wondering what your perspective is on the wealth management space overall. Where do you think the puck is heading? 
Well, first of all, I think that it is heading in in the advice channel, and I think it has been for a while. And one of one of the things that I'm I'm optimistic about relative to the business is the number of people that younger ages that are that are being taught both the benefits and frankly the perils of investing through the new the Robin Hoods of the world, for example, that have uh, democratized, in their words, they've made it very easy for people to, to get involved in the market. We as an industry used to spend millions of dollars trying to do the stock market game to try to have um, younger people understand the benefits of investing. And that's being done today. So there's a whole generation of investors that I believe will need advice and are learning the markets now. So I think it's a good thing uh, for markets. I think it's a real good thing for the advice business. And I'm very optimistic uh, about that part of our business. And this conversation is a unique opportunity for advisors to hear from a CEO of a competitor firm. So I'm wondering what message you'd share with them about building their businesses. Well, I think it, I, number one, it comes down to the, to build your business, to the advisors I'm speaking to, they have built their business through their ability to relate to people, to understand people, to have EQ and and build clients and build trust. That is a trait that many advisors share. Otherwise, they, they wouldn't be successful in our business. They have to be able to garner the trust for, for clients who are having them help them achieve their financial goals. But what you need going forward is a firm that understands that, but also has the technology that's going to help clients get organized. Communicating with clients through technology is going to be a huge uh, differentiator going forward. You have to be able to communicate and and you have to be able to digitally engage with younger people. And as you think about your business going forward, you should be with a firm that respects your independence yet gives you those tools that are going to allow you to compete. That place is steeple. And what about what advice you'd give them about serving their clients? how they should think about serving clients and growing their teams? Well, on, on, at the highest level, I think that's the one thing that hasn't changed in this business as much as we talk about all the technological changes in the environment and, and whatever. The one thing that is a constant is that you need to understand your client's goals, objectives, goals-based planning. That, that hasn't changed. And you need to do that at the highest level and then act in your client's best interest and their risk tolerance. And, and that is, again, table stakes for a successful advisor. Besides technology, though, I think one of the things that advisors should be doing is really uh, building teams that are bringing younger people onto their teams that understand uh, social media, understand how younger people want to be communicated with and about. And, and the best way to do that is to add younger people to your teams. If our teams that have done that have shown tremendous success in building their business, because remember, a lot of your clients are going to pass their investable wealth to their children, and you need to be able to communicate with those children as well. So I, I think that that's what I would be focusing on if I was an advisor, yeah. just, among the other things I've said. Great advice. And Ron, I have taken up enough of your time, but your wisdom and your generosity and your willingness to share is much appreciated. This was fabulous. And I'm thinking that as Alex David is deep in the lab and really builds on the Stiefel independent model, we should invite him on to talk about that and hear some specifics about that as well. So we will look to do that in a future episode. 
Yeah, I donate Alex's time right now. He doesn't even know. Yeah, good. You, you just Perfect. Got, you know, Mindy, I appreciate uh, the opportunity to talk to you. I, I think you have a tremendous finger on the pulse of the industry and what advisors are looking for. So I always appreciate your uh, wisdom and every time we, we get a uh, chance to talk. And I appreciate you helping um, us uh, be better understood. I've, the one thing I get frustrated with is I feel that we're we're the best firm that some people have never heard of. So mm. we're trying to fix that. Good way to say that. Yeah, good way to say it. Ron, thank you again for your time. I'm grateful. Thank you. I often say that culture is one of the most overused terms in the industry, but the fact is culture is often the main reason an advisor changes firms or models. In fact, as Ron shared, Stiefel places a high value on an environment built around advisors and their ability to have agency over how they do business with the bonus of support and community. In his words, it's just easier to do business here. And isn't that really what most advisors are looking for? I thank you for listening, and I encourage you to visit our website, diamond-consultants.com, and click on the tools and resources link for valuable content. You'll also find a link to subscribe for regular updates to the series. And if you're not a recipient of our weekly email, Perspectives for Advisors, click on the articles link to browse recent topics. These written pieces are an ideal way to stay informed about what's going on in the wealth management space without expending the energy that full-on exploration requires. Feel free to email or call me if you have specific questions. I can be reached at 973-476-8578 or by email at mdiamond at diamond-consultants.com. Please note that all requests are handled with complete discretion and confidentiality. And keep in mind that our services are available without cost to the advisor. See our website for more information. And again, if you enjoyed this episode, feel free to share it with a colleague who might benefit from its content. If you're listening on the Apple Podcasts app, I'd be grateful if you gave it a star rating and a review. That will let other advisors know it's a show worth their time to listen to. This is Mindy Diamond on Independence.